Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Today's episode is a mini-sode that we call Friday with the Wife. In these mini-sodes, my wife Kim and I deconstruct the strategies that we've developed over the last decade to not only grow personally, but to turn our struggles into lessons and create fulfillment in all areas of our lives. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Let's dig into today's topic. Okay, before we jump into this interview, I want to invite you to be considered for my 2019 Traveling Mastermind. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com and fill out the application and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a great fit. This year, we'll be in Boston doing lots of cool things like training with Tom Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero. In the middle of the year, we'll be heading to Monaco doing things like vintage car rides through the French Riviera. And then we're going to wrap the year in Florence, Italy, doing things like truffle hunting and hot air ballooning over Florence. Look, Life is all about fulfillment, and I really try and walk the walk. So if you are looking to be part of our tribe of 28 high-achieving entrepreneurs that are in the six- and seven-figure range, fill out your application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com to be considered. So think of the mastermind as having two parts. The first is the trip itself. And the second part is what goes on over the four days within the mastermind. Our group of 28 entrepreneurs will help you brainstorm and accelerate what you want to achieve in 2019. And we'll do that through a variety of different exercises, brainstorming activities, breakout sessions, goal setting sessions, you know the drill. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Well, Kimberly and Marie Murgatroyd, how the hell are you? I love how I get extra middle names. Why not? Why not? It's a free country. You could do what you want. Didn't you hear? I. (laughs) Hey, you know what we're talking about today? It's not a wall. It's (laughs) (laughs) from the window to the wall. We are talking about getting old. Getting oh, old. Thank you. Is that in honor of my 40th birthday? <sighs> no. Is that no. a little jab? Do you think that our listeners fall into the millennial group or do you think they fall into the old guy group? Well, you know what's or girl. You know what's really cool? I actually have talked to so many of our listeners, like on the phone, which is super fun, by the way. Do they sound young? Well, some are, I would say most are my age that mm-hmm. I've spoken to. So they're like 22. Some are a little bit older, 22. Yeah, so, your age. <laughs> do you know what's scary? Mm, is when you monsters. can- Monsters. Monsters, okay, Sophia. So when you say I'm 22, mm-hmm. if we multiply that by two, it's almost my age. And do you know how scary that is? And it's still not even close to mine. I can actually double humans, which is scary. <laughs> All right, so you know what we're gonna talk about today? Getting old. We're gonna talk about getting old. And I listened to a podcast- from a guy named Tom Bilyeu. Uh, If you don't know who he is, go check him out. He's got some great content. And he had a, I'm actually interviewing him. I was gonna uh, say, aren't you having him on the show soon? I am having him on the show. Yes, I'm super excited about him coming on. He's uh, had to cancel a couple of times uh, because he's- Busy. He's blowing up right now, but, uh, but we have it rescheduled and God willing, the third time will be the charm. But he had a guy on- 
by the name of Chip Conley, spelled C-O-N-L-E-Y. Thank you for that. I was going to write that down. Well, I spelled it wrong. I spelled Connolly. I put I put the I put an extra vowel in there where it doesn't belong. And what he talked about was really, really fascinating. So I thought if it's okay with you, I'll kind of lead you through some of the things that I learned and uh, and teach it to you. You know what? This is um I like this. We you should do. do this more often where you lead through a fry date. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a bedtime story now. Thank so you. can I go lay down? So here's what he said. He said, you know, society has done a really good job of helping people through transitions in life. You know, these we have these transitional times. So I'll walk you through a few of them. You go through puberty. You have a bar- Are we going there? Yeah, you have a bar mitzvah. Can you do your voice from when you were 14? You go through puberty? Okay, good. You go through puberty, you have a bar mitzvah, you have a bat mitzvah, you have a quinceanera. I think that's how you say it, right? In all different religions and times, but there's something that marks it. And then you go from adolescence to adulthood and you have some kind of like commencement ceremony because you're graduating from something like college, right? Or high school. Yeah, right. And then you get and then you get married. And you have a wedding and then you have a baby and you have a baby shower and then you die and you have a funeral. So wait a minute, hold on a second. I had a baby at 36. Mm -hmm. My next party isn't until I'm dead and I'm not even there for it. That's exactly the point. So what happens- That's a little effed up. What happens between the baby shower and the funeral? There's no transitions that we mark. No, but you know what they do do at 40? The over the hill party. They do that. Oh my God. And then they're and then they pack you in a box and they have your funeral. This now, is horrible. I know. You gotta fix this. Now, do you want to know why that this is the case? Sure. Because the average longevity in nineteen hundred was forty seven years old. And was it in nineteen hundred when they decided all of these parties? That's right. Now by the year <laughs> by the year two thousand. It was 77 years old. Ah, so we got 30 unaccounted years of partying. So in 1965, we coined the term midlife crisis because midlife didn't used to exist. So here's the thing we have done nothing to change this midlife crisis situation other than people who decide to do a marathon, which is what people start to do when they realize that they're irrelevant. Okay, so I'm gonna pause your linear brain for a second. So are you gonna have to go back and start at the beginning? And if anybody has not listened to the first few episodes of our podcast, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I'm with you. You're with me. So, okay, you're a kid. It's a celebration of your adolescence. You're a celebration of your education, celebration of a union of marriage, celebration of a baby, and then the only thing they came up with was a crisis at midlife. Like, why was that not a celebration? It's a crisis. Look, they didn't know what the hell was going on. Like everything is, you know, where you go on, you live your life, you drop dead at 47 years old, it's over. Well, let me say something. This is really interesting because, okay, think I, you're, you're past that midlife crisis point, okay, at 52. So- I, d- I did do an earring in the Porsche though. You did do an earring. I told you not to do that earring. Mm-hmm. So listen, here's the thing. If you think about that time, right? You have all this celebration, celebration, celebration. And then your mid 40s, let's call it, rolls around and you change your interests. Maybe you become interested in new things, your health. You become interested in 
new shiny cars. You become interested in life and vacations. Isn't it interesting that in a society of workaholics, they would call that a crisis? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, I, look, I, again, it comes down to, they didn't know what the hell to call it, right? So you got this- you Should got, it be like, hey, you freaking made it to midlife. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, well, it should be. And that's and that's the reason why we're doing this podcast, because I think we need to redefine this. You know, I think you need to redefine this. I'm going to put all of the weight on you because you're the guy. I don't know anyone who has exemplified better- someone coming into the middle of their life, making choices to have a new chapter, a new a new act, a second act, and do it with such grace and passion and curiosity than you. Most people your age, sorry, Rob, are gonna have like a belly, be sitting on the couch, doing the same things that they did when they were, you know, younger, playing the same round of golf, seeing the same friends, or even worse, reminiscing about the old times that were the best times. And that's not you. You're looking ahead and you're creating the best times. And so I think it's on your shoulders to lead the charge of the second act. There you have it. Well, I'm going to I'm going to take that challenge from you. I think we have to thank you for the compliment. I think we have to realize that midlife is actually full of transitions in the same way that I described, you know, those different stages in your life prior to midlife. What if, what if you redefined midlife as congratulations, you made it through the first half of figuring shit out. Now let's do a second half of celebration of who you are and what you want to do. Well, listen, if you're if you're 55 today, which I'm not, I'm 52, but if you're 55 today, you have something like a 95% chance of living to 98 based on current longevity you have an projections. Life. So you so you're literally midway through the life, right? So I think what you have to realize is that midlife is actually full of transitions. Your parents are going to pass away. You're going to change your job. You're going to change your career. I mean, look at what I just went through, right? I mean, I just left after 25 years. And, you know, it's very easy to kind of look at it and go, well, you know, I did my 25 years. Now it's time to sit you know, on the couch, sit on the couch, collect social security and, you know, eat cat food, right? Like, like cat we just, food. yeah, that's what, that, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> who the fuck eats cat food? Well, that's the joke, right? The joke is that like, you know, you, your social security is going to be so little oh, that okay. you just, you're only going to be able to afford cat food. Yeah. You're only going to be able to afford cat food, right? So I think what's important is we have to find a way to repurpose ourselves for the second half of our life. And what he talked about, which was really, really interesting, and he said the first part of our life is all about accumulation, right? So it's all about accumulating things. And if I think about the first part of my life, let's say up until this point, it was about accumulating degrees, building money, focusing on titles, et cetera. But the second part of my life really needs to be about editing. And it's editing of things like fewer friends, all of the things around what really matters in life. And you know, it's it's interesting because I'm naturally finding myself falling into that category of not, you know, not entirely focusing on you know, this massive accumulation. Like, I don't want to go back and get another degree. I don't necessarily, you know, want to go and accumulate any more significant titles. Those things aren't important to me. What is important to me is doing things that 
I value. So for example, you know, now we're going to do a podcast on this next on uh, taking four months in Europe. I've always wanted to live in Europe for four months. So- um, Who who wanted to live in Europe? I've actually always wanted to do it too. But you, um, I think this is something we both share, to be honest with you. I think we both share. So on this accumulation in the first half, you know, I'm, I just hit 40, right? I can- I'm not 50 and I'm definitely not 55, but if the average, you know, lifespan, let's say I have a good chance of living to 98, I'm getting close, right? So the first half, you and I together, like you said, it's it's degrees and titles and in working for the money to amass the fortune and yada yada, but what I love about what we're doing now led by your second act and your transition from, you know, being a chiropractor, owning a medical office to creating this massive passion project with the podcast and the mastermind and all the other incredible things you have coming down the pipeline. What I love about moving into this second act is we're literally looking at things and saying, do we want this in our life? Does it, Marie Kondo, does it bring us, does it spark joy? (laughs) And if it doesn't, we're getting rid of it. We're paying it forward. We're selling it. We're, we're talking about this four months in Europe, not because it's something that is glamorous and you know we're not doing champagne spraying for four months. We're going to live and to see how the differences living in Europe and doing the passeggiata in Italy at night where you walk through the streets and you know I guess you go with the old ladies and you gossip about everybody and you eat ice cream and really truly living and filling our soul and then moving to California. And we're looking in California you know, for places to live right now, which basically means we're going to get like 1,200 square feet. We're hoping for a beautiful backyard so we can have more outdoor space and really feel the sunshine, live in that lifestyle. And it's all about lifestyle, meaning feeling the sun, feet in the sand, Sophia growing up, seeing the ocean and the sun and feeling the warmth and truly living this act of our life in a place that, inspires and motivates and is filling our soul versus we could stay in Georgia. And for the same amount of money that we're going to spend in California, we could have 15,000 square feet in a water slide. Like we could accumulate more shit, but we're not. We are actually downsizing for lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, what you just described is exactly his principles, right? It's accumulation versus editing. I mean, you know, we could, you know, we certainly could, you know, afford for the money that we pay now, we certainly could afford to have something larger, let's say outside of the city, but we we're editing our life now and we're saying, okay, look, you know, these are the things that are important to us. And I, I think that another really important part of this is what he calls the U-curve. Okay. This I, is fascinating to me. I, I just had an aha moment. Okay. And then we'll get to you. Okay, my aha moment is this. Old people, can I say that? Is that, do I have to be politically correct? We prefer elderly. Okay, do you? No, <laughs> I don't know. Well, this is part of the this is part of the concern, right? Like we have such a negative connotation to getting old. Other countries don't share this. I yeah. mean, if you go to Jap, you go to. I was going to oh. go. If you go to Japanese, okay, if you go to Japan, they value it. Yeah. But go ahead with your point. So my point is this: when you have the the elder segment of our society, so the grandmas, grandpas, and all of that, and they're living in this 
happiness, this freedom, this edited state, which they now probably is what you're about to get to is their happiest times of their life, right? Or some of them. And they're talking to the teenager and they're telling them, you you don't need all those friends. You don't need all of this stuff. And I mean, even if you look at me and you, going into the second stage of editing our life, trying to tell the 20-year-old that she doesn't need to go shopping every day. She's in the accumulation stage. And so I think that when you bring this to light and you say, you know, oh, so that's actually where she's supposed to be. She's supposed to be in the accumulation stage. So us old people over here are going, edit your life. You don't need so much. And then, you know, the young ones are accumulating, accumulating, and and we're clashing because we're not going to agree on this, but we're not meant to agree on this. This is our this is our nature. This is the natural curve of things. Yeah, yeah, that's exa- that's exactly right. We are, um, we know, like Tony Robbins talks a lot about. We're in certain seasons of our life, and these, you know, the accumulation phase of our life serves us. There are things that you know we need to have. It, it was very useful for me to get um, a college degree and work really hard on growing a practice, etc. So, um, I want to talk about the uh, the U curve, right? So. Think of these decades that I'm about to describe to you as a U, right? So imagine at the very bottom of the U is your 40s. And bear with me because this is a new concept, so I can't entirely teach it, but you'll get the idea. At the bottom of the U is the 40s. So your 20s- So I'm in in my depression right now. That's what you're telling me. Well, I'm in the least happiest I'm going to be. you're, You're actually, based on what he's talked about, in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, here, here's the point. At the 40s, you're at the bottom of your U-curve. But if you're happy now- Then I'm which gonna is be it, freaking elated. <laughs> yes, that's the point. So you are gonna be much happier in your 50s than you are in your 40s. I certainly, I certainly can attest to that. You're gonna be much happier in your 60s than you were in your 50s, happier in your 70s than you were in your 60s, and when you get to your 80s, this is the interesting thing. Well, most when people you, are dead currently. When you when you get to your 80s, you're going to be, women are actually much happier than men in their 80s than they were in their 70s. And, and they don't really know what the reason is. Because the schmeckle stopped. Working. Maybe because the schmeckle isn't so working. So let me, let me just reiterate. So at the top of the U on, you know, where you would start your pencil, let's say, you have your youth and then your 20s, and then your 30s. And then the bottom of the U is your 40s. And so that's when you're pretty much the least happiest. And that's where the midlife crisis happens, as they say. And you begin to do things in your life that provide joy and value, like taking care of your health, like doing a marathon, like buying the the extravagant, indulgent thing that you've always wanted and you work that first half for. And then after you get through that little shit show of depression and excitement and you know figuring it out, that transition, you begin to edit your life and you begin to come up into your 50s and your 60s and your 70s and realize you didn't need all that stuff. You needed some great friends, some passion. And instead of going external, you go internal. Is that rapid in a bow? 
Yeah, I think it is. I, I think it is. I think there's lots of other subtext that happen in that, you know, in that period. Like, you know, for example, for me, I started noticing around my 40s after doing a career for as long as I was, it started to become uninteresting. I started to notice that it was much more difficult for me to hang on to my fitness level, the way I looked, et cetera. I think for women, they start recognizing, people other than you, they start, Thank you, honey. they start recognizing that, you know, they're, you know, look, men, men are, you know, the men's identities are tied with um, how much money they make and what they do for a living. Women's identities in large part are tied to the way that they look. And, you know, those things are shaken. So if you're, you know, if as a man, if you're tied to your identity, that's why, you know, when men who, if you look at men, if you take teenagers out of uh, the suicide statistics, you'll see that um, when men commit suicide, it's always around that 40 year old mark. Um, and it's because either they're in a career that they can't take anymore and they're tired of it, or they had some kind of downturn in their business and um, they lost it and they didn't feel that life was worth it anymore. Or marriage or any of or Marriage, yeah. But right around, once you start getting on the other side of that, to your point, once you start getting into the 50 year old range, you start to go, oh, wait a minute. You know, I spent all of these years and, and look, here's the thing. It's not to say that those years didn't serve you. They did serve you. They did help you. You know, they were, they were very, very useful for you to have. The problem is that you can't, you, you can't drive the second half of your life in the same way that you drove the first half of your life because it no longer, it no longer makes sense anymore. Like I couldn't, like the thought of me going out now and, you know, saying that I'm going to, you know, I, I, okay, so look, I'm talking to, because I decided to get out of my practice, I'm talking to a lot of people that I haven't spoken to in years or other chiropractors that I don't know that are secretly reaching out and saying to me, I'm dying. Like I am absolutely dying here. And there is a large population of people that are just pushing through this part of their stage and not loving it anymore. All right. Well, I have a I have a stupid idea time. You yeah. ready? What if when you were a teenager, you instead of saying, what do you want to go to college and do for your lifetime for the next 70 years? And you have to make a decision about one thing. What if you were prepped and Instead, your guidance counselor said, you know, little Robbie, you're going to have multiple opportunities at different careers over the course of your lifetime. You're going to be able to do jobs you love, jobs you don't. You're going to be able to create passion projects, but never feel limited to staying in one career just because. You are going to have options you are going to be able to switch and transition. When you get bored with this job, you can simply move on to another. What if that mindset wasn't uh, was what you had, and it wasn't so? It wasn't so. Get a job, work it until retirement, and die. You know, because it, I just think that that forty year old person who is in despair would be very different if they didn't have a certain expectation because the expectation that's set when you're young is you get a job, you work in it until you're 65 or whatever, and then you retire. You have hope to amass enough money that you don't need money, you know, but when the life expectancy is going from like 76 to 98 or something along that line, 
that's a long ass time that you had to save for in the first half of the year. And so I think people hit 40 and they realize, oh shit, I didn't, I didn't do what I was expected to do. I thought I'd be so much further along by now. I thought I would have had so much more. And I thought this is something I'd love to do, you know, little Robbie as a chiropractor for the rest of my life, but it's not. I mean, think about when you started to really not love going into the office. It was you, right around. You were forty. I was forty. You it was 40. right around forty. I think. I think you. You have a really valid point, and and that is to, you know, I, I don't know what the terms are right now. You know, if you say midlife, it automatically evokes the emotion of crisis and terrible. But if you think about it, you know, if you say, okay, well, you know, let's call it chapter two. You know, chapter two career change or whatever. Act two. I act, love act two of the play. Act two of the play. Um, you know, act one was, you know, we'll use my example of being a chiropractor. Act two is, you know, I'm act, gonna act one is learning and growing and amassing and all of those things. And act two is going inside and doing development. Like you, you made a point the other day when we were talking about this and you said, you know, look at where you are now, meaning me at 40 with doing meditation and yoga and all of these things that I'm doing, where if you asked me to do that 20 years ago, I would have laughed at you. Right, you were getting up at four o'clock in the morning to, um, you know, to to work. To work. Um, you know, you worked in uh, corporate wellness for CNN, and that was, you know, that was something that, you know, you were in that stage of your life. You know, he talks about something else too. There's two more quick points we'll make before we wrap. The first one is attain versus attuning. So decide whether you are in attaining mode or attuning mode. So even in the second chapter of life that you're in, right? We'll call it the second chapter. You are going to be certain, you're going to be doing certain things that are more attaining focused and doing more things that are attuning focused. Even even things that involve exercise. So for example, surfing is an attuning sport, right? You're attuning what's around you. Yoga is an attuning practice. You have to decide when you when to move forward or when to retreat. So, you know, I'm at I'm in a place now in my life where I can I can actually feel when I need to step back, even just in conversation, if I'm having a conversation with somebody, you know, there are times where I have to just step back, take it all in. Like certainly I have a, uh, I have an adult daughter now and I'm more in a, you know, I'm not in an attaining energy with her. In other words, I'm not trying to dominate or, you know, aggressively teach. I'm more in an attuning mode where I'm sort of taking in what she's doing and allowing her to make the mistakes sort of as a wiser elder. And I think that we have to decide when to move forward and when to move back for different areas of our lives. That was, I'm not really good at explaining it right now, but that's sort of, that sort of really hit me. Well, we, we talked about this, right? So again, the attaining, the attaining of your degree, the attaining of the new level in your company, the attaining of the new job or whatever versus the attuning, the the personal development, the going inside. And the comment you made to me, Rob, was 40 is a time where a lot of people begin to do more attuning activities as you're approaching that age. And I think now what's kind of beautiful in the world now is that personal development, what used to be a self-help section of a bookstore is now everywhere. And it, personal development is the new skinny, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's a positive thing that people are doing younger and younger. So I don't think it's just at 40, but 
I do think once you hit that midlife stage, you start to look, instead of looking outside, because look, I think we can all agree if we're truly honest, all of the things in the world probably don't mean much. Sure, you might like your car. Sure, it might give you some joy. But at the end of the day, the things that mean the most are the things that are on the inside. The happiness is found on the inside, not on the outside. There's no shopping trip that's going to make you happy. There's no other man or woman that's going to make you happy. There's no anything that's going to make you happy. Happiness comes from being present in the moment, feeling the ground, feeling the earth, grounding yourself and being present in whatever situation you're in. That's where happiness comes from, in my opinion. So I just think that that that's where the attuning is is in those things that make you more present, more grounded, more here. Yeah, I mean, even those two examples that he gave on surfing and yoga really, really rang true for me. So, for example, yeah, when, you want to go surfing? Well, yeah, yoga. but it, well, but if, if you think about it, what like what's the reason? What's the reason behind it? Like, you know, when we move to California, I want to take up surfing, right? So, I don't want to take up surfing because I want to attain. You you know, wanna... I don't want to attain any medals, <laughs> you know, for surfing, or I don't want to do yoga, or you don't want to do yoga right now. You know, you've you've had a uh, a past history of being a fitness competitor. You're not trying to do yoga right now, like so a you wind up yogi. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not trying to wind up on the cover of Yoga Magazine, or you're not doing it so that you can win some backflip or whatever it is that you do in yoga <laughs> award, right? You you're doing it because there's an attunement that happens and you're starting to say like, you know, after three or four days, you know, if we're traveling or something and you're not able to do yoga, you're like, I got to get back to it because you know that there's an attunement that's in there. Yeah. It makes me a better wife. All right. Yeah it, it? yeah. it really does. It really <laughs> does. All right. So the last thing is how to change your mindset. So you have to identify what your mindset is. You know, if your mindset right now is I'm old, all the millennials are running everything, then you have to imagine a different point of view. And maybe the new point of view is as long as I'm curious, the millennials are going to be interested. Can you tell them that story? Yeah. So he was a, you talking about the Airbnb story? Yeah. So uh, Chip Conley, he was a hotelier, hotelier, who um, ran a bunch of boutique hotels. He kind of like put the business of uh, boutique hotels on the map. You know, he sold the company and he was kind of done. And he was like, you know, I just can't connect with these, you know, millennials. They, I'm just the old guy in the room and it's weird. But he was still, he still had this curiosity that was inside of him. So the owners of Airbnb reached out to him and they said, hey, you know, we have this company that we right now believe is not just a tech company because at that time they were, you know, they aggregated all these uh, places for people to rent. And it was, you know, it's basically what they call a SaaS company, right? Uh, they said to him, uh, we, we think it's more of a hospitality brand and we'd like you to help us because you did, you know, hospitality with boutique hotels. We'd like you to help us transition from a, you know, a quote tech company to a hospitality, hospitality brand. And his immediate reaction was, how in the world am I going to go into this, you know, this booming new company with all these, you know, millennials. And here I am, this 54, I guess at the time year old guy. And what he realized is that what the millennials loved about him was his insatiable curiosity that he had. And that allowed him to be able to connect to it. And he said, you know, if I go, if I walk into, you know, some leadership meeting 
And inside the leadership meeting, one business is, you know, another business is dominating the current business. Let's say Airbnb. He walks into an Airbnb meeting, a leadership meeting, and some other businesses is, uh, is, is, you know, crushing them. He could tell everything about what he needs to know about a company in the first five minutes because when he hears people say things like, you know, we're getting, we're getting slammed right now. Who's to blame for this? Where are we going wrong with this? He knows that that's a company that's going to fail versus the kind of leadership that says, this company is crushing us right now. What are they doing differently than us? And what can we learn from them? And how can we apply it into our company? Was that the story that you wanted? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, because I think it makes the point of that mindset and being someone that you do such a great job at this. I don't, <laughs> I honestly don't know anyone your age that can connect to people of all generations the way you do. You're, you're gifted in this area. And I think it's your natural insatiable curiosity because I don't care if you have a 105-year-old person or a five-year-old and anything in between, your natural curiosity is what bridges you. You never walk into a room as the guy that says, I'm older than you, I've been through more life than you, and I'm smarter than you, so shut up. That's not you. You are like, oh, you're 23? Tell me about Instagram. What, what do you love so much about it? What's the new app you're using? You're insatiably curious. And I think that is what makes you so incredible in um, just general networking, connecting, and also what is going to make you the best mastermind host ever because your ability to draw out of people their zone of genius is um, uncanny. Well, listen, I'm going to leave it right there because I got way too many compliments on this show today. I'll leave you, I'll leave you with this. Think about what your identities are. What are the identities that you've affixed to you that you need to take off because it's not serving you anymore? We all have identities that we're tied to. Think about your identities and say, what am I willing to peel off for this next stage of my life? That's it, everybody. Have a great week. All right, thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.